0: All right, everybody. uh, Thank you for finding your seats. Um, Why don't we, before we get started, why don't we pray? uh, Go before the Lord and seek his help as we uh, come before his word to learn. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you so much uh, for your grace. We thank you that you are with us. As we come before your word, Lord, may you give us peace in our hearts to trust you, to come before your word with a humble attitude, um, to learn, not assuming we know what you're going to say not coming with our own uh, desires to control, but to give it up to you, Lord, to surrender. May you help us, uh, be with us by your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's, uh, it's good to see everybody again. I miss you. I have no idea what we're talking about. Um, it feels like it's been four years since uh, we've talked about virtues. Um so uh, before we jump into the virtue for today, why don't we do a little bit of review um, so that you can catch up, so that I can catch up, so we can remember uh, what we're doing here. Um, so who remembers uh, what a virtue is? What's a virtue? All right, off to a great start. We When we talked about virtues, I know it was like three months ago or something Um, one of the few things we said was that a virtue is not just the action that you do right if virtue is just about the actions that you do um, then anybody could be virtuous anybody could exhibit um, the virtues that the lord calls us to exhibit but when we talked about virtue we talked about one specific bible passage um, in deuteronomy does anyone remember which one that was Man, I let Brett at you for two weeks, and he just erases everything I've taught you. Uh, so Deuteronomy 6.4. Deuteronomy 6.4, the Shema. Uh, we talked about this verse because we wanted to find out, okay, so what does God want from us? Uh, how do we sum up what it looks like to live uh, a Christian life? And we said, well, Deuteronomy 6.4 is great because it says, love the Lord your God with all of your mind, with all of your heart, with all of your life. It says it in slightly different terms, but that's the gist, right? We're supposed to love God with our thoughts. We're supposed to love him with our hearts. Uh, we're supposed to love him with our lives, with the things that we own, uh, the ways that we interact with other people, things like that. So virtue, right, is not the things that we do. The virtue is about our hearts. It's about our attitudes. It's about our thoughts. It's about our lives. Virtue is, is loving the Lord. And there are different ways that God calls us to love him, different ways that it, that will manifest. So what we've been doing uh, these last few months is looking at different categories of virtues, right? We're not trying to do every virtue there is in the world. Uh, we'd be here until 2036. Um, but we, do, we did start with the mind, right? How do we love God with our minds? Does anyone remember uh, some of the virtues that we talked about in loving God with our minds? Okay, yeah, hiding the Lord's word in our heart, meditating on his word, absolutely. The
1: uh, concept of knowing um, in the Bible uh, refers to loving someone and knowing someone as being kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and
1: So I think to, to love God adequately, we need to know
0: him. Yeah, definitely. We need to know God, and that means that we have to know truth Right? We, can't, we can't love God and have false ideas about God. We have to understand who God is. We have to understand the truth uh, and love the Lord in that way. So one of the virtues we talked about was truthfulness. Right? We are to be truthful people. What else? What other virtues did we talk about? Courage. Courage, absolutely. Do you remember what the main point was? Yeah. It's,
2: it's
0: not, uh, uh, it, it's than bravery right. Yeah. It's of, uh, Definitely. No. There's courage and trusting the Lord go go hand in hand. Especially because if we're to have courage, uh, we looked at jo- uh, Joshua chapter one, right? What is what do courage and this other thing? Man, that was a horrible way to phrase that question. What does courage not mix with? Fear. Who said that? Nice John Matthew. Yeah, courage and fear do not mix. God says, be strong and courageous and do not be afraid. If we're to be courageous people, that means that uh, we're not to be fearful people. And we talked about the difference with bravery, where if you're brave... You still might be afraid, but you're going to do the brave thing anyways. And we said, well, a non-Christian can be brave. They can definitely exhibit those qualities um, that are good things. Right? Scripture talks positively about bravery, but Scripture commands God's people to be courageous, which means God also commands his people to not be afraid. Fear is not neutral. We're commanded to not be afraid. Um, so we had truthfulness, we had courage, we had trust. Um, that was another virtue that we talked about. Um, and then we talked about patience. That was the the most recent one. Uh, when we talked about patience, we talked about um, how we're to wait on the Lord. How uh, patience kind of teeters the line between loving God with our minds and loving God with our hearts. Um, because the mind has to do with our thoughts The ways that we view things, the ways that we uh, reason through things. And scripture is very clear, right? Conform your thoughts to Christ. But scripture is also very clear when it says, put your hope in the Lord. So we made the connection with patience that if we're to love the Lord our God with our hearts, that means that we need to love him with our hopes. That the things that we desire, the things that we look forward to, the things that make us satisfied, um, we have to love the Lord our God with those things, which means right, being satisfied in, in the Lord, desiring the Lord, hoping for the Lord. And so, patience toes the line, right? Patience is is both some a way that you are conforming your thoughts, the ways that you're conforming the way uh, how you think to being patient in the moment, but patience is also forward looking, right? Patience also says. The things that I desire, I don't have yet. And I'm going to wait. And I'm going to wait on the Lord. Because if your desire is for the Lord, of course you're going to wait for him because that's what we're all doing. Right? If we desire to see the Lord face-to-face, that we have to be patient because he's not here face-to-face, but he will be. So patience is not, uh, you know, randomly hoping that, Maybe I'm going to get a a nice house one day. Or I'm just, I really hope that I'm going to get a Ferrari and I'm going to be patient and save up and get that Ferrari. When God commands us to be patient, what God means is conform your desires to me and then wait on me and I will give you those desires. So that kind of uh, hopefully recaps um, a lot of the stuff that we talked about. Uh, And so now what we're going to move on with is we're going to continue talking about what it looks like to love the Lord our God uh, with all of our hearts. So we talked about mind. Um, We're going to talk about life, but we're still on loving the Lord our God with all of your heart. So the way that I want to talk about these virtues specifically, I want to make it a little bit different. Um, So you're going to have to bear with me as I try to figure out what that looks like. But when we talk about virtues of the mind, um, it's it's kind of natural to talk about them in more intellectual ways. We talk about thoughts. We talk about, okay, so what does it look like specifically? Uh, All these intellectual questions. The problem is it doesn't quite work that way when you're talking about loving God with your heart. Um, And if we just talk about heart virtues in the same way that we talk about mind virtues, what we'll end up doing is is just kind of intellectualizing what it means to love God. Uh, And then we have this great, you know, data bank of knowledge of what it means to love God. And we've missed what it means to love God. We've missed the point. We've missed what it means to actually orient our hearts towards God. So I'm I'm not quite sure how to do that in a Sunday school yet. I'm still trying to work out what that looks like. especially because I don't want us to put any distance right between our hearts and what God is calling us to do. Um, And that's really easy because we like to protect our hearts. We like to guard our hearts and say, well, this is my bastion. No one can come in here. No one can say that I'm not doing a good job. Um, And especially the virtue that we're going to be dealing with today, it's extra difficult because it has to do with humility. Um, and pride hates to be told that it's pride. Pride hates to be called out for what it is. Um, and so it's it's hard to have a Sunday school about humility without putting a, a distance between our hearts and God, because that's going to be our your natural inclination. Your natural inclination is going to in, intellectualize it, but not let it go into your heart. Um, and I hope that, I help you get it to your heart. Um, But my prayer is that the Lord works in my heart and in yours um, and convicts us of our pride and and helps us to see how we need to be more humble. So let's talk about humility. And let's talk about what it means to love the Lord your God with all of your heart. If you were to summarize um, what that means, to love God with your heart, how would you summarize it? John. John. Okay, interesting, yeah it's, uh, yeah, it's a, throne. Who's on our throne? Yeah. That's a good way to put it who's who's on the throne of your heart? Is it God, or is it yourself, and then God's on a littler throne, um or is it you know money, and then it's you, and then God's on a third even smaller throne, stuff like that.
2: Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Truly desire the things of the Lord. Charlie. Yeah, no, definitely. There's, uh, Charlie said that um, Proverbs 4 talks about how the, the heart, we're supposed to guard it because from it flows the rest of our thoughts and actions and, and um, how we feel about things, right? And so it's really important that our hearts are oriented towards the Lord because we're called to put our hearts on the Lord, to desire Him. Yeah, it's a great passage, right? In all your ways, acknowledge the Lord. So I wonder if you started to hear, though, some of the the different threads. Um, on the one hand, we have to say that loving God with our hearts is uh, putting our desires and our hopes upon the Lord. On the other hand, it's it's an act of obedience, right? There's a sense where we are being obedient to the Lord uh, with our hearts, Um. That's interesting when we talk about the virtues of the heart because when it comes to these virtues they're not quite so much manifested in particular actions right you can look at somebody's action and say that was that was a courageous action right and the uh, the point is that their heart is courageous right they have uh, an attitude of courage and that flows out into their actions right but how do you what, what action could you point to in someone's life that says, you know, that person's humble because they just did a really humble thing? The words they speak. The words they speak. Yeah. And, and not necessarily a particular word, right? It's, it's more just a sense of how they talk that can show a, a humble attitude.
1: he was weeping, but he didn't say why but he wept and
0: that came from the heart yeah even nonverbal communication right yeah nonverbal communication is incredibly important it shows uh, our hearts and it's actions,
2: actions speak louder than words
0: yeah actions speak louder than words
2: Mm-hmm. See those types of things. I love my wife. Do I cheat on my wife? Not if you love your wife. <laughs> and I love you know my kids. And if I didn't discipline them in accordance with God's word, do I really love them? So these are actions that speak way louder. You shouldn't do this. Oh yes, I love my don't. No. no, actions speak way louder than
0: words. Yeah, actions betray the attitudes of our hearts in both good and bad ways, Charlie. Yeah, if you didn't hear Charlie, what he said was, you can tell when someone is humbled because they don't seek the place of honor. Um, and instead, right, it's not just not seeking the place of honor. It's also elevating someone else. It's also bestowing honor or, or elevating somebody else's gifts and, and not a self-centeredness, but a, a other-centeredness. Um, and that has to come along with contentment. Right. Can someone be humble and discontent at the same time? Maybe. It's hard to it's hard to imagine someone who's discontent uh, and yet humble. I think I think you can. Possibly. Um, but I think you can in a certain sense, because scripture talks about two kinds of discontentment. There's discontentment where you are grumbling, you're Israel in the wilderness saying, Man, this bread is bleh, we need meat. And God says, I'm literally raining bread on you from heaven, and that's not enough. Uh then there's a different kind of contentment, a Psalm one twenty kind of contentment. If you've ever read the Psalms of Ascent, uh read them because they're fantastic. Uh, Psalm 120 is a song of discontentment, but it's not a worldly discontentment. It's not, I I am mad at God for not giving me what I deserve. It's, life here is terrible, and I don't want to be here. I want to be with God. That's the kind of discontentment uh, that we're allowed to have. Because where, where is our desire if that's our kind of discontentment? Our desire is on the Lord. Right? Our desire is for, is for the things of the Lord, to see Him face to face, to be with His people, to be in His city. That's a good kind of discontentment. And I think if that is compatible with humility, because that also says, I don't deserve to be with the Lord, but that's where I want to be. And the only person who can get me there is God himself. Uh, I think someone else mentioned it offhandedly, but uh, if we're to come back to the original question, right, how would you summarize loving God with your heart uh, and maybe humility too? um, I think maybe it was Steve. You mentioned surrender. I think that's a really key word when you're talking about loving God with your heart. And Charlie touched on it a little bit too. Giving up our will. We're called to surrender to God. Which means, right, not fighting God. Giving up the things that you want in exchange for the things he wants. And being content with what you have. While also wanting the things of God. Right, You, you can't be... You can't surrender to God and also be really discontent that you don't have enough money. You can't say, I love God with with all of my heart. But man, I just wish that my circumstances were different. It's, It's a hard thing to grapple with. But contentment and humility go together. If you look at your circumstances and you say, these are awful, and how could I possibly be content right now? You're not going to be humble. Conversely, if you look at your circumstances and say, this is what God has given me. I'm going to surrender it to him. That's actually the attitude of humility. And that will flow out into everything else. If you're content with your worst circumstances, it's a lot easier to be content with little, the little problems of every day. It's easier to be patient. It's easier uh, to elevate somebody else and to consider them more important than yourself. Because I think that's where humility goes. It's that great quote by C.S. Lewis um, that I love. Humility is not thinking of your, is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's putting others on a higher position than you, considering their desires, their lives, their well-being more important than your own, which you know, is great when it's easy. It's, it's nice and easy to do that when you know, it's things that you like doing. But humility puts people first even when it's hard, especially when it's hard. Especially when you don't want to. And you have to conform your heart, your desires, your hopes to the Lord. And it's hard, but that's what the Lord has called us to do. And He's been teaching me this this whole week with sleep and solo and you know, you my my prideful heart wants to sleep. But the Lord has said, no soul is going to wake up like three times every night this whole week. And you're going to have to get up every time and take care of him for three times a night all week. And my, my prideful heart says, how am I supposed to be content? I'm not getting enough sleep. And God says, you need to be content. You need to be humble and accept what I give. So that brings us um, a little bit more into how humility comes about. Humility. Uh, what do you guys think? Do you think that humility is something that you learn? Um, is it maybe a personality trait? Maybe you know somebody who just seems kind of naturally humble as a person. Um, what do you think? Is there a secret? I think it comes from sleepless <laughs> yeah. Listen, Steve. <laughs> You guys have been doing a lot. Yeah. Is that what you're going to say, John? So practice. practice. Yeah. Training, self sacrifice, mercy, all those
1: things that you've got to practice. They don't necessarily come naturally.
0: Yeah.
1: They're character traits
0: that have to be cultivated. Yeah. Character traits. That have to be cultivated, it comes through practice, sleepless nights, maybe another way um, to put it is that we have to experience humbling in order to be humbled. Charlie. Do you know anybody in Scripture who meets God and doesn't walk away changed? I can't think of any examples. Everybody who meets God face-to-face leaves that interaction changed. They have to be. What's a a classic example in Scripture of someone who meets God and they walk away a different person? Jacob. Jacob. Moses. Moses. Paul, Joshua, Joshua, Peter, Peter, Elijah, yeah. Man, so many people who we think of, right, as as these heroes. Who doesn't think of Paul as a hero? Or who doesn't think of, of Joshua invading the promised land as a hero? But these people were not heroes originally. Not even Moses, right? We're gonna we're gonna do Exodus three today, which is a great chapter. Um, I don't, maybe you guys remember Exodus two back from candidating. We'll do a little recap. Um, but Moses, right? What happens to him in Exodus two? He says in his heart, it's not in, in the text, but it, through his actions we see his heart saying, "I am Israel's savior. I'm gonna go and take this into my own hands." And he just completely flubs it, right? He he does it all wrong and ruins everything and has to flee and live somewhere in a different land. That's not a hero. That's not someone that you say to your kids, look, up, look at Moses, be just like Moses. Go and kill an Egyptian and hide his body in the sand. Right? No one says that to their kids. No one says, be like, be like Saul persecuting the church. No, we say, be like Paul and bow before the Lord. Be like Moses and submit yourself to God and his plans. Because what happened? Moses met God. Paul met God. Jacob met God. So if we're, going to be, if we're going to be humble people, do you think that happens without meeting God? If you don't know who God is, you're not going to be a humble person. Because it's not until you stand at the bottom of that dam, like Charlie said, and look up at how big God is and how outside of our experience God is and say, "Man, I am a speck of dust, and he is he is Lord that's when you'll be humble, and you can't fake that you can you can fake. Certain things, you know, you can fake maybe modesty, or or saying, "Well, I'm I'm not that great," you know, let's just downplay my achievements. But you can't fake an attitude of saying, "I'm a mote of dust before the Lord," and I can't do anything but surrender to Him. I don't think you can fake that. So here's another question. Why does God value humility so much? Or maybe turn it on on its head as well. Why does God hate pride so much? Because pride implies that we're putting ourselves first before God. Yeah. Pride puts something other than God first, usually ourselves. What else? Yeah.
2: Wow. I mean God Almighty subjecting himself to this and all that's out there.
0: Yeah.
2: What? Humility and love.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. You see God's character. The Lord loves those who follow in his character. John, do you have something? In pride, you
2: mean? Yeah, in pride. So I think only God would hate that. he would in that heart of that person that they've earned or deserved or God owes them. And
0: that's not true. Yeah, absolutely. I th- John says that pride assumes that God owes us. Or maybe even that someone someone other than us owes us. Right Maybe your spouse owes you something. your kids owe you, uh, your boss owes you, and life revolves around you and what you are owed, and it's hard, right? When you go to work, you put in the work, you put in forty hours, you get a paycheck. you think, I earned that paycheck, but did you really in a in a worldly sense yeah you you received something for what you did. But does scripture ever say that the wages come from your own labor? Yeah, a laborer gets his wages, but why? Because God is gracious, and God is generous. It's like that parable of all the laborers who go into the vineyard at the start of the day, and they get a denarius, and then they go in the middle of the day, and they get a denarius, and then they go at the very end of the day, and they get a denarius too despite the fact that all three did different amounts of work, they got the same wage. And the natural human thing is to say, now, wait a minute, I earned more than that person. And God says, I give it. You don't earn it, I give it. The attitude of pride says, well, I deserve my paycheck. I deserve more. And... Do You see it in our culture of workaholics, of people chasing get-rich schemes, get-rich-quick schemes, of people trying to get more money and trying to accumulate more because they believe that they deserve more. They believe that they're worth more. And the same thing applies to them. You're not worth more. God is the one who gives us. Wages. And so right, back to contentment. Being content with what God gives us is an attitude of humility. Being discontent, that's pride. And I think the Lord hates pride so much because it goes against everything that He tries to teach His people. All the all the commandments that the Lord gives us. How many of the commandments of the Ten Commandments are about you? Seriously, how many of them are about you? Maybe they're about your attitude. But if you look at the commandments, they're actually about other people. It's either about God and how you interact with God, or it's about your neighbor and how you interact with your neighbor. It's about loving God and loving neighbor. It's not about you. It's not about what you do. And so if that's, if that's God's heart for his people, that they would be people who are outward focused to either love God and as an extension of that to love neighbor, then pride goes against everything that God desires for his people. Because pride is, is not about God. It's not about your neighbor. It's about you. It's about what you get. It's not about how you love somebody else. It's about how somebody else loves you. great passage charlie
1: Take the authority that we've been given to steer ourselves and skewer the lives we've been given, and we say, Well, we can do it better, and we turn that towards the Lord. Right? We count ourselves equal with the Lord, right? And so it's it's a disruption in the order we're facing the wrong way. Right? When we consider ourselves equal with the Father, we take ourselves out of the realm of being children, and we count ourselves as gods.
0: Right. Yeah, battle for authority, battle for submission. Why, why submit to God if you think you're on the same level as him? There's, why would you? And it's the same thing applies in marriage. Why submit to your husband if you think you're better than him? And that doesn't mean that you need to lower your own view of yourself and elevate your view of your husband. It means that if, if, you're just, if wives are just submit to their husband, that means that they have to, at some level, humble themselves before the Lord. And same thing for husbands. How can you love your wife if you think that you are so much better than her? If you If you think that you are God's gift to your wife, how well are you actually going to love her? Not great. But if you humble yourself before the Lord... Then you will actually love your wife and treat her better. Especially we've
2: got where it says, Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church.
0: Yeah, don't even get me started. Kids, well, not kids, young, young people not married, why submit to your parents if you think you're better than them? Right? Why, why submit to the church? Why well, submit to, to Johnny, to John, to Steve, to Dave, to Pastor Brett, if you think you're better than them? God calls us in all ways to be submissive and humble people who are willing to lay down our own lives, our own desires, for the sake of someone else, ultimately for the sake of God, but also to count other people more important than us. So scripture talks about two different ways, two kinds of humbling. Um, The first is when people humble themselves before the Lord. They hear the call to be humble and they respond. Anyone think of any examples in scripture of of that kind of humbling happening? Job. Job. Yeah, amazing classic example. Someone who humbles themselves. But I think I think with Job, it's also the other kind of humbling where the Lord does the humbling. I think there is a, another example where it's people hear a call, and before anything bad even happens, they respond with humility. Um, like the disciples, so they, Jesus said, come
2: with me and I will make you fishers of men, and they just walked away from their everything.
0: Yeah, they're just like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm done being a fisherman. I'm going to go do what this guy says. Nineveh, yeah. I, I think that's, for me, the clearest example of people humbling themselves before the Lord. And they're not even Israelites. They're not even God's people, and they get it. And then God's people hear the cry to humble themselves, and they say, eh. it's such It's such a slap in the face to Israel for Nineveh to humble themselves in sackcloth and ashes. And Jonah's like, "Wait a minute. You're going to you're going to spare Nineveh and then condemn Israel? Your people? These aren't your people." And God says, "That's the, they humbled themselves. If you were to humble yourself, the disaster would be spared." And what's the implication, right? If you don't humble yourself, God will do it for you. If you don't bow down before the Lord, he will make you. And the same is true right now in this moment. And the same will be true when Christ comes again. Every knee will bow. Whether they want to or not. How much better is it to humble yourself now And surrender to the Lord. Than to have to do it then. It's a lot better. And it's actually life. So we don't have a, a ton of time left. I'd love to talk about pride. We could do probably six weeks on pride itself. Um, I'm just going to touch on a couple of things real quick. Um, and I think they're, they're important. There's one way that we miss the mark, right? When we talk about virtues, we talk about vices. We talk about how here's the target that the Lord wants us to hit. Vices are just a little breath of wind to the right or a little breath of wind to the left. It's, it's obvious when we see someone walking the wrong direction. We say, that's not right, that's a vice. But then when we miss the mark just a little bit, we're like, that's fine. It's not that bad. The problem is missing the mark even a little bit even just a little sin is still enough to condemn us. So we're not we're not aiming to be close. We're aiming to imitate Christ. So one of the ways that I think we miss the mark with humility is we is we can have a false humility. We can have something that we think is the picture of being humble, um, and usually it, it's either something like modesty, which is a mask. We we. Talk about our achievements in lowered terms. We intentionally don't talk ourselves up as much, right? We say, "Well, yeah, I kind of, I kind of do this on the side. It's no big deal," um, but it's really actually a big deal for us. We just don't want other people to know it. That's that's false. Uh, then there's the other kind where we actually think that humility means we have to we have to talk bad about ourselves. We have to talk smack to others about how terrible a person we are and how awful we are and, man, I'm just such a, you don't want to talk to me. I'm, I'm just such an Eeyore. Right? That's missing the mark. Because, yeah, you need to have a realistic, truthful view of yourself as a sinner. But to self-deprecate yourself is an attempt to lower yourself for prideful reasons. It's not about God. It's not about somebody else. It's about you and what you think of yourself. It's still self-centered. And then the other way we can miss the mark is is we just deceive ourselves. We just believe that we're not that bad. Yeah, yeah, I'm a sinner, but, you know, I didn't sin a whole lot this week. So, no big deal. Or somebody else, you know, they're just so much worse than me. I'm just glad I'm, you know, I'm not as terrible as as somebody else. That's pride. Or we believe that we're so terrible, we're so far gone that not even God could save us. My sin is so bad that God can't forgive it. It's impossible. That's false. That's pride. Because if you actually know who God is, if you've, if you've looked up the dam and seen how great and powerful God is, you know He can take care of your sin. You know He can forgive you. And you need to surrender that to Christ. Ultimately, this is about God's character. Right? That passage that Gary brought up was right on the mark. Jesus Christ humbled Himself. To the point of of taking on flesh and then going and dying on a cross. Here's the creator of the universe saying somebody else's life is more important than mine. Your life is more important to God than his own. That that should that should not that should break your brain. That should make your brain go, that doesn't make any sense. How could God say that I am more important than his own life? But that's what the cross says. That's humility. And may God give us a heart of humility to actually believe in the gospel, uh, to surrender to him, and to live that out. Any questions or comments before we pray and close? All right, while we pray. Almighty God, as we come before you, we thank you for your grace. We confess, Lord, that we are prideful people, that we constantly turn ourselves inwards. We look at ourselves, we think more about our hearts than we think about loving you. Then we think about you, and then we think about other people. Lord, we we pridefully believe that we deserve more, and that the things we have, that we have earned them. But Lord, we saw with Job that you could take it all away, but blessed would be your name. Give us hearts of humility, Lord. Help us to surrender to you everything that we have, everything that we hope in, all the things that we desire. May you conform our desires and our will to your, to, towards yours, Lord. That we might love you and serve you and love and serve others with humble hearts. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.